I guess I'm supposed to be up here at this point. I'm on. Hey, welcome. So glad to have you here with us this morning. If you're new and visiting for the very first time, we'd love to connect with you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind just texting the word welcome to that number on the screen, 406-219-0314. Follow the prompts, whether you're here in person uh, or you're watching online. And if you're watching online, you probably got plenty of room. If you're here in person, you probably don't have very much room. Uh, but uh, we are so glad that you are here uh, together with us this morning. If you have a Bible, go to Nehemiah chapter number three. We're going to dive into the scriptures this morning. We are continuing our sermon series in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, probably be here for a couple more weeks, but super excited to kind of walk through this book together and uh, really everything just Nehemiah is teaching us uh, as a church, as a people, as individuals. But hey, I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but there's probably nothing more frustrating, more maddening in life than being part of a team, a business, an organization, a group of people who talk about doing something great but never do it. <laughs> Can you relate to that? Like, has that ever happened to you before? Like, you're with a group of people, maybe it was a team, maybe it was a business, whatever the case might be. There's a lot of talk, there's a lot of ideas, there's a lot of opinions floating around about how to do something, but there's just not a lot of action. I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but for me, man, there's nothing more frustrating than being a part of something that talks about doing something and doesn't do it because I want to do something. I don't know about you. I want to accomplish something for the Lord. If God has called me to it, man, I want to go do it. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to go do it, right? Anybody play basketball or played basketball in the past? Like, yeah, back in the day, played basketball. I was a I was a basketball and baseball player. Those are like my two sports. But man, if you're like playing basketball and you're down by 20 at the half and you go into the, you know, in, into the locker room and that team goes in and like strategizes, like how are we gonna come back? How are we gonna win this game? They can strategize all day long, but if they don't go back out on the court, nothing's gonna change, right? If they don't get on the court and actually do something, nothing is going to happen. Well, for the nation of Israel, Listen, for 70 long years, they had been in captivity, and now they're free. They're free to go. Uh, they're free to, to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild, but as you probably know, not a lot of them did. There was a small group, a small percentage of people said, hey, let's go back. Let's rebuild the temple. Let's reestablish ourselves as a nation. And I'm sure that during that time that those people realizing, hey, we can go back and not going back, that probably every living Jew at the time probably talked a lot about it. <laughs> probably had a lot of conversations. Uh, how to do it and, 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 and when to do it and, and who should do it and the strategies to it. I'm sure they were passionate people about we need to go back and be a nation again. I'm sure that they had their opinions. I'm, I'm sure they had all sorts of things in their, in their minds. Like we want to be free. We want to be our own nation. We want to worship God. We want to restore our name. We want to restore our future. Listen, a future that God had even promised. But how many of those people actually stood up and said, let's go, right? I mean, if, you, if, you, if you've been with us, you know that like uh, about 150 years had passed from that time, that decree to go back to, to this point where Nehemiah is actually going back with the nation of Israel and rebuilding the walls. How many of those people stood up and said, I'll do it, I'll go, I'll risk for the cause of Christ? How many of those millions of Jews said, let's go do this? Well, as you know, very few, right? 
Very few people, most really two people were Ezra and Nehemiah, those two men who kind of led the charge. I mean, Ezra, Ezra, as you know, kind of led that first group back and said, let's go, let's rebuild the temple. And they went back and they did. I mean, they rebuilt the temple, not to its glory days. In fact, if you read the book of Ezra, you find uh, these, these older generation of people weeping because they're looking at this temple and saying, it's not what it used to be. So they rebuild this temple, but they don't of course, rebuild the city walls. And that was a problem, right? Because the city without walls is no city at all. I mean, there's, they're, they're, they're in danger of robbers and thieves uh, all the time, and, 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 and they're at risk of being just this impoverished uh, people group. And, and so Nehemiah hears this in, in the temple, right? He hears this, not in the temple, but in, in the king's court, and he hears about the news, and he says, enough is enough. We're done talking, right? We're done talking about this. And so as you know, Nehemiah takes a risk, big risk, right? He risks his comfort, he risks his job, he risks really failing. The, I mean, they just, the issue of like, it, it could all fail, it could all just go south really quick, and Nehemiah risks all of that to do what God had not only called him to do, but what God had called the entire nation of Israel to do. Go back. Go back and be a nation again, right? Go back and be a nation again. And, and as you know, you've been kind of with, with us on the storyline, you know, like people rallied around that, right? Uh, the people really rallied around that. And we'll see that again this morning. They, they were inspired by his calling in this mission. They were moved by his testimony, the testimony uh, that he had of, you know, King Artaxerxes, like giving him everything he needs. They're, these people are moved by the amazing testimony of God's hand upon his life. And they're like, hey, Let's build, right? That's how they responded, right? Chapter two in, in, in verse 18, uh, Pastor Adam took us through this last week. They said, let's rise and build. Let's rise and build. Let's recapture what's been lost for so many years. And they began to do uh, what no one had done or could do for the past 100 years, start to rebuild, actually begin, put boots on the ground, start moving rock. And, and, and it's such an inspiring and moving story that challenges us today, but it's so much more than a story about a wall, right? So much more than a story about a wall. It's really a story of what can happen when God's people rally together and unite in mission together and, and, and accomplish something so much bigger than any individual. It's a story of teamwork, it's a story of unity, it's a story of zeal for God's will to finally be realized and finally be accomplished. And every Christian, I think, has these moments in their lives where they're kind of at this, this crossroads, so to speak. They're at this place in life where they recognize, and you might be here this morning, and you recognize something needs to change. Right, like that might be why you're here this morning. Something's gotta change in my life. Maybe there's some rebuilding that needs to happen. There's, there's a change, there's a shift that needs to happen in my life. Maybe it's a broken marriage, broken relationship, a broken life. And you're like, something's gotta change. And you're asking yourself the question, what is it gonna take to get me from here to there? What is it gonna take to move me from a place where I've been talking about this for years to actually doing it? What is it gonna take to move past this sin? What is it gonna take to move past this brokenness, this, this loss, or whatever the question or, or, or thing in your life might be? You know what, I, I think for a lot of people, most of us, if you're there and you're at that crossroads, most of us, we know this. I know what needs to be done. Like I know the answer. 
I, I know the steps. I mean, I've been thinking about it. I've been strategizing. I mean, like, I know what needs to be done. The, the challenge and the tension for most of us, we just don't know how to get started. How do I begin this process, right? We talk about what needs to be changed in our lives, but man, we never move and we never get up. We're kind of like an armchair quarterback. How many armchair quarterbacks uh, in the house today, right? I mean, yell at the TV. Like, I would have done it different. I mean, he did that and I would have done this. I mean, you know? And we're just like, I know exactly what I would do, you know? And we're kind of like that armchair quarterback. We know what to do. We just never done it before. Well, this morning in Nehemiah chapter three, we're gonna see what moved the people from words to action. 150 years, why now? What was different now that, that was, wasn't the case 150 years ago? What moved them to this place where they're, where they're finally saying, let's, let's get up and go. Let's take personal responsibility. Let's move on mission for God. And this is really the, the tension, I think, for a lot of us when we feel God's prompting whether it be personally in our lives or collectively, God's like, hey, this is the mission, this is the direction, this is where I want you to go. We, we, it's not that we don't know what needs to be done, we just don't know how to get started. How do I put one foot in front of the other and get moving in the direction that God has for me? We want to, but we just don't know how. And so this morning, we're gonna mine out some principles today. Some principles, like how do we move from that place of talk to that place of action? How do we be that in our lives personally where we say enough is enough. I'm no longer going to be held captive to my sin. I'm no longer going to be this type of person. I'm no longer going to allow these things to define me. How do you move? How do we move as a church in the direction that God has for us where we would say just like these guys, let's rise up and build. Let's rise up and build and then spring into action and actually accomplish what God has called us to. And so here's the bottom line this morning. Real simple phrase that we want to key in on, and it's going to really tie everything in, and that is, this, is that everyone can't do everything, but everyone can do something. And that's true, isn't it? Like, all of you can't do everything. I can't do everything. You can't do everything. But everyone can do something. And we're going to see that so come to light here in the book of Nehemiah. Everyone's better than someone. We say that often here at LifePoint. Everyone serving, excuse me, is better than someone serving, right? Everyone doing their part, everyone doing what they can is way better than just some people doing it. And I can honestly tell you this morning, right? Uh, if you know me, I'm, I'm always like very transparent, like from stage. But I'll tell you, we'll never, this church will never accomplish what God's will for us is successfully right? Unless, unless we're each saying, I'll do my part, right? Unless, unless we say collectively, this is where we're going, and I will do whatever it takes for me to help the church succeed, uh, uh, succeed in the future. That's the way it works, isn't it? Like successful teams, right, are teams that are unified in their mission, and they each contribute to that mission, to that goal. They say, we want to win, not just I want to win, they recognize it's a we thing, not an I thing. You see, you see that in sports all the time. You see like teams win. I don't know what's going on in football. Like who's winning in football that shouldn't be winning? Did the Jag, did I hear like the Jaguars? What? Dallas, okay, Dallas, yeah. This could cause a lot of controversy. We started out in the Bible, but we ended up talking about football. And uh, fist fights, like, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. It's terrible, right? But you see that all the time in sports, right? Teams that shouldn't be winning on paper, but they're winning, why? Because they're not about the individual. It's about the team, right? And listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but church is a team sport, 
right? Church is a team sport. Any way you slice it, it is a team sport. And, and, and we're going to see that in Nehemiah chapter 3 today. How do they get started? How do they move from we'd like to one day become a nation to work becoming a nation? We're doing this. We're building the wall and there's some principles in here that I think are really going to help us as individuals and as a church collectively uh, to move on mission uh, for God here in East Helena, Montana at LifePoint Church here today, 2023. And let, let me just be clear. So we all know, like, what are we about? What are we here for? What is the mission? What are we trying to accomplish? Well, let me just tell you, I want to be crystal clear. Every person that comes through these doors, I want you to know, what are we about? What are we, what are we trying to accomplish? Where are we going? right? Our vision, we, we simply state this, our vision is to be a church that gives life to this community. We want to be a church that gives life, breathes life into the community of East Helena, that when people drive past this campus, whether they're a Christian or not, whether they darken the doors of this church or not, that they drive by this place and they say, this is a place that matters. This place matters because they invest and they love and they make a difference in this community. Without them, the community wouldn't be the same. And that takes work and that takes effort, does it not? To accomplish that very thing. But that's our vision, right? That's our vision, to be that kind of church that breathes life into a community. But listen, that, that, that the vision is only as good as its mission, right? And I just want to just quick, quickly define some of these things for you. Like, it's great to have a, a vision statement. It's great to say, hey, that's what we want to accomplish. But how? How are we going to accomplish that? How can we be a church that actually gives life to our community? Will we define our mission this way? We want people to know life in Christ, live life in Christ, and share life in Christ. You see every single Sunday on these banners. We don't always talk about it, but we need to talk about it because we need to be on mission together. And we're going to see again that in Nehemiah chapter 3 today. But, but knowing life, that, that you have a relationship first and foremost with, with Jesus Christ. And secondly, knowing life means that it's growing. There's never going to be a point where you're like, I know all of it. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> right? You can always know life more. You can always live life more. Like, we want you to actually live out your faith. And we want you to take that life that you know and that you live, and we want you to actually share that with other people, not only this, the people in this room, because the Bible says, by your love for one another, the world will know that you're my disciples. But we don't want you to just share it here. We want you to share it with the world. We want you to share it with your neighbors and with your family and with the people that you meet, that you would share this life. I mean, this, this is who we are and this is what we're about. And so we have a strategy and the strategy is simply this. How do we help people know life? There's lots of ways and lots of things we could do, but we can create an environment weekly where people walk through these doors and they have the opportunity to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. We can control environment. I can't control the Holy Spirit. I can't control your responses, but I can control and measure environment. Can we not? And so that's how we help people know life. How do we help people live life? We equip everyone to serve. I don't know if you know this, but Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 is very specific about, hey, what's the job of a pastor? Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We want to equip you because we want to give you an opportunity every single week to use your giftings and your talents for the Lord Jesus Christ here. That's how we help you live life. How do we share life? Man, we want to engage our community regularly through acts of generosity. We want to go. We want to do something. We don't just want to talk about it, but we want to do something where we say, community, we want to share this life that we know and live with you so that you might understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is our, this is our vision this is our mission. This is our strategy that might be new to you. I don't know. We share this at our welcome party, and that's not enough. Like, we need to be reminded of this. This is who we are. 
This is what we've defined as a church that, that from God, this is the direction that we want to go. The question is this, how do we get there? Right? How do we get there? How do we get started? How do you get started on mission with God with this specific thing? Well, Nehemiah 3, again, is going to give us some great insight on how they got started. And we're going to press into that. We're going to press into that today. So let's start. Let, let's read a little bit. Let's find out what's going. But we're going to backtrack just a little bit back into chapter 2 in verse 18 because it really sets the tone. It really kind of gives us this first principle that we need to lean into a little bit more. And it, and it says in verse 18, notice, and it'll be on the screen. And it says, Nehemiah says, and I told them, he's in Jerusalem. He just surveyed the walls. And he finally, after three days of checking things out, he gathers the leaders together and he shares with them the good hand of my God and how his hand has been upon me for good, and also the words uh, that the king had spoken to me, and all the things the king said, hey, whatever you need, is, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give you free passage. I'm going to give you lumber. I'm going to give you everything you need to go and accomplish what God has called you to do. And so Nehemiah shares this with these leaders in Jerusalem, and they said this, let us rise and build. Let us rise and build. And so they strengthened their hands for the good work. This is so important, and I don't want you to miss what's happening here. Nehemiah shares his story, his testimony, and just as a side note, let me tell you this morning, you don't have to have all the answers in the Bible to evangelize. You have a story. And your story of how you encountered Christ and the difference that Christ has made in your life is so powerful. And that's what's happening here. Nehemiah is like, look what God has done. Look at what God has done in my life. And he begins to share that with these people. And here's how they respond. They collectively said, let us rise up and build. Yeah, let's do it. it sounds great, doesn't it? Oh, so wonderful. Everyone's, everyone's excited. Everyone's excited, right? And that's wonderful that they said that. But here's the thing, and here's the tension for a lot of us. We often just stop there. Right, like, ah, yeah, let's do it. Everybody cheer, let's go, let's build, let's win. We're a team, let's go. But we stop there, right? We talk about it, we agree to it, we're for it. But are we willing to actually move in light of it? You see, it's easy to speak words, but it's much more difficult to actually follow through on those words and stand up and strap on your boots and say, let's go. Much, much different, right? You see, here's what these people did. And, and it's really the first prim principle I, I want to point out here. How do they move from talk to action? Why after 150 years now, at this point, what moved them from this talk for all of these years to like, hey, we ought to do this. Hey, someone ought to do this. Someone ought to build. What moved them? Well, they had a shared courage to do what was difficult. And let me tell you, if you don't have courage, you can't go anywhere. If you don't have courage to move, if you don't have strength from the Lord, you will not move. From here to there. You will not move past that sin, that thing that besets you. You will not move past that, that, that whatever it is that's holding you back in life unless you have courage from the Lord. Notice what happens in verse 18. It says, it says hey, let us build. Let's rise up and build. And the second thing they said is they strengthened their hands for the good work. That's kind of an interesting phrase. They strengthened their hands for the work. What does that mean? It means they got themselves ready they mean, they said, like, we're not talking about this anymore. Like, what do you need? What needs to happen? Like, I'm sure if, if we were there and we're just kind of like on the outskirts listening to this crowd, like Nehemiah shares his, his testimony. Nehemiah shares, we need to rise, we need to build, we need to throw away the reproach on Israel. That I would bet, I don't know, but I would bet somebody said, what do you need? What do we do? 
What comes next? Because we want to see this come to fruition, right? They got themselves ready. They were resolute. It means they were ready and they were willing to do what would be difficult and challenging. We need courage. And we need faith and we need strength. And so they gathered themselves together and they strengthened one another. I think they put their hands in the middle and they said like, on three, build the wall, right? One, two, three, build the wall, right? right? I don't know, like maybe they did that. But they took courage to do the, the impossible. And let me tell you this morning, you need courage as well. You need courage, you need strength from the Lord in order to accomplish his will personally for your life. And we collectively need the courage to battle our fears, to battle the sins of our past, to battle the hurts and the pains, the loss, whatever it is that's holding us back. We need courage to move forward because without courage, without strength from the Lord, we sit paralyzed by the fear of what if. What if we fail? What if it doesn't happen? And God is, of course, not the author of fear, amen? God is not the author of fear. How do you get that courage? Uh, From one another. That's part of church, is that you have courage from one another to walk in this dirty, uh, messed up world for for Christ, to walk in holiness, that we have someone in our life who is spurring us on and encouraging us and saying, hey, look, don't go there. I've been there. That's a bad road. Like, walk this way. We need someone to encourage us. In fact, the scriptures call us to live courageous lives, right? Uh, let me give you just a few examples. Psalm 31, 24 says, be strong, be strong and let your heart take courage. All of you who wait on the Lord, you wait on the Lord, take courage, be strong. Be strong, like everything, every day of your life, you need courage to walk with Christ. First Thessalonians 5:11, Paul says, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. You need to encourage one another and that's not like, oh, you're such a good person. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I mean, let me encourage you to walk with Christ. Let me encourage you to be the, the parent, the dad, the mom, the, the husband, the wife, whatever it is, the grandparent. Let me encourage you to walk in holiness, right? But there's more to it than just having courage, right? Like if it was just that, it was easy enough. To, it was, if it was just courage, man, we would like already accomplish it, right? If we need courage, we need strength, man, God wants to give us courage and strength, but there's more to it. I want you to notice this. Not only did they have this shared courage that they rallied around this, this, this idea that Nehemiah was presenting to them, they had courage to move, but they also this, they collectively rallied around a shared common vision that they said, this is a direction, And every single one of us, we agree, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to accomplish. And I want you to see, this wasn't just the Nehemiah thing. The people weren't like, oh, you know, that's cool, Nehemiah. Like, yeah, build a wall. Like, I might help with that. You know, I'm selling some grapes, but I might get some free time, you know, to come alongside and help you with that. It wasn't like that. That they understood and they bought in. And you see that in the way that they respond. They're like, let us. It's an us thing. It's an us thing. Let us build. And who strengthened their hands? They did. All of them. Because they had this shared common vision. What was that, right? What was that shared common vision? It wasn't just about a a wall. They understood it was more than that. It was, yeah, to wipe away the reproach from Israel. It was to become a nation again, but it was even more so than that. We are worshipers of God, and we want to be free to worship God again. This is the vision. And it's a wall that's going to get us there. Let's build a wall. 
And they bought into that, right? They all bought into that. They understood, they agreed that this was the mission, that this was the vision. And here's the tension in situations like this. Like if God's people don't rally around a shared common vision, there'll be no unity. Without unity, there's dysfunction. Without unity, everyone just kind of goes off in their own direction. They get like, church is about this, and I think church is about that, and I think it should be this, and I think the focus should be this and that, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, what if this happened? Nehemiah shares this test. This is w- w- how my, my silly brain works. <laughs> my wee little brain, right? What if this happened? You know, Nehemiah shares, he shares this vision. And, and people began to kind of pipe up, you know, out of the crowd, out of this group of people, you know, uh, excuse me, Mr. Nehemiah, I think we should just have open borders. I mean, come on, like, don't go there, right? <laughs> Sore spot. Sore spot. Don't talk about borders. But it could happen, right? Or, or you know, you know uh, uh, Mr. Nehemiah, I don't think we need to build a rock wall. This is what happens in churches. I don't think it should be a rock wall. I think we should build a split rail fence. I mean, come on, you know? It should just be, it could be easier, right? If we just built like a wooden fence instead of a rock wall. Or maybe someone said, hey, we should really form a committee. Oh, boy. <laughs> and we should pick out colors and products and then have a vote, right? Silly, right? But that's, that's not what happened. But that's what often happens. Why? Because there's no shared vision. Because people aren't bought into it. And all of a sudden, like, you know, the world looks at the church and be like, you guys are a mess, right? Because everyone makes it what they want it to be. And it doesn't work that way. It didn't work then, and it doesn't work today. You see, these people had a common vision. They collectively rallied around that vision. It's like, we need a wall. We need a wall that's going to protect us in order to secure us, in order so that we might worship God again. That was their common vision, and every single person understood that, and they put their hand to the work because they wanted to accomplish that very thing. That's how you get started. That's how you move from talk to action. You have shared courage t- together, collectively. It might be your family. How do we move from this place to this place? That you have a vision for your family, that you have courage together to say, this is where we're going, and this is what we're doing. They rallied around those things. Here's the, here's the third thing is, is, what do they have? What moved them, right, from talk to action? Well, they had dedicated leaders, and I want you to know this is so, so very important. They had dedicated leaders to lead the way, not just Nehemiah, but other people and other leaders who stood up and said, yes, we're going. Come on, group behind me. This is the direction. This is the calling. We're going. Check out Nehemiah chapter three and verse one. It says, then Eliashib. I love that Nehemiah names all these names and we'll name some of these names and we'll really try hard to pronounce some of these names and uh, probably butcher them very, very much. But it says, and Eliashib, the high priest, he rose up. He rose, the high priest. He's like the top priest, the highest you can go in this career. He is the high priest. What did he do? He rose up with his brothers, the priests. He said, let's go. What did they do? They built the sheep gate and they consecrated it, and they set its doors, and they consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. You see, this wasn't just a Nehemiah thing. It wasn't just about Nehemiah and his leadership. It was about other leaders inspiring and buying into the vision and leading the way. And here you see this high priest inspiring these other priests, like, let's go. Let's do this. Have you ever heard the phrase, everything rises and falls on leadership? I think Zig Ziglar uh, coined that phrase uh, years, years and years ago. Everything rises and falls on leadership. That was so true then, 
And it's still true today, right? It's still true today. Because it, it, it wasn't just a construction project, right? This wasn't about just like, hey, let's hire a GC and, you know, get this thing underway. What, if it was that, it would have been done a long, long time ago. What did they need? They didn't need a general contractor. They needed dedicated leaders who would inspire them. Right? Remember, 150 years has passed between the decree to go and, and to rebuild the walls. They, what do they need? They didn't need a construction crew. They needed leadership. They needed leaders, dedicated leaders. And the same is true of churches today. Listen, churches don't need buildings most. They need leaders most. And may, may we never confuse the two. What we need most, we don't need money most. We don't need building most. You're like, oh, don't say that, right? That's not true. We need leaders most. And God places leaders. Listen, churches that succeed, churches that are advancing the mission to build the kingdom of God, listen, are churches that have dedicated, godly, and capable leaders in their churches. That is the way it works, right? In this church, listen, we'll never succeed for Christ. It will never succeed the way that it can and the way that it should unless it has the right leaders. And that's so important to understand. So important. Because I think we often buy into this lie, if you build it, if you build it, they will come. Field of Dreams, greatest baseball movie, right? <laughs> Everyone's in agreement. Just nod your head. Nod your head. So I have like, yeah, it's come on, baseball. It's the greatest sport. It's America's pastime. It's America's pastime, right? Baseball, right? Field of Dreams. It worked then, there, right? It worked there. It doesn't work in churches. That's not the way it works. If you build it, they will come. We often buy into that idea. Listen, building, buildings don't make churches. Leaders and people make churches. And Elijah, the high priest, he understood that and he led the way, right? And not only in, in, in starting the project, not only in like saying, hey, let's go, let's go priest, like let's go, we're, we're doing this. Not only in that, but, but Elijah led the way in reminding, number four, reminding them, those people of the divine purpose. And we need to be reminded that there's a divine purpose, as everyone picked up a tool and picked up, you know, a rock and began to move rubble and began to rebuild the wall, they need to be reminded, this isn't a construction project. There's a divine purpose. You want to move from talk to action? You want to move from where you're at to where you need to be? You need to remind yourself of the divine purpose that God is trying to accomplish in your life. And that's what Elisha reminds us of here. In chapter 3, notice in verse 1 again, Elisha, the high priest, he rose up with his brothers, the priests, and what did they build first? What do they build first? The sheep gate. Isn't that interesting? They build the sheep gate and then they consecrate it and they set its doors. It simply means like, God, this is yours. We are dedicating this to you. This is yours. There is a divine purpose in what we're building and what we are doing. It's real interesting that they started with the sheep gate. The sheep gate was simply the place, you guessed it, where the sheep came through, right? The sheep gate. Why? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. And they started with this because they wanted to remind the people. The, the purpose of the wall wasn't just for safety. The purpose was divine. Like, this is about worship. This is about restoring worship. This is, this is Eliashib and those leaders reminding, we are a people meant to worship. That we are restoring all of this. The real purpose is about worship. It's about ascribing honor and glory to God and being obedient to him. And Eliashib's like, if we miss this, we miss it all. If we miss the divine purpose, church, we miss the real purpose. We miss the reality of like, this is really what it is. It's not a social club. It's not an event center. It's not a place that you can just meet and have friends. There's a divine 
purpose and a divine mission for everything that we do. And if we miss that, like, like do we need buildings? Yeah. Do we need an expansion? Yes, we do. Right? Absolutely. But why? Because we want to further our reach. We want to build the kingdom. We want people to know life in Christ live that life, share that life with other people. We want to be a church that gives life to this community. And, and God, is, God is blessing us with more. He's like, I want you to expand that reach. And so, yes, we need buildings, but we need to be reminded of the divine purposes. They had, they had courage, man. They had a shared courage, man. They, they had a shared vision. They had dedicated leaders. They had a divine purpose. Here's the last thing. And really, this encompasses the rest of chapter three. We won't go through all the details, but you see this theme over and over in chapter three of Nehemiah is that they had a willingness to work. They had courage. They had, they had leaders. They had a shared vision. They had a divine purpose. But most importantly, we're willing. We're willing. Somebody said the greatest ability is availability. Isn't that true? The greatest ability is not like, oh, I got all the answers and I, oh, I got all the skill. No, it's just availability. It's a willingness to say, God, what is it you want me to do? I'm willing. I'm willing to step out by faith. In chapter three, we'll just kind of peruse through, through maybe the first 12 verses really, really quick, hit some highlights. Eliashib, he grabs his guys, they build the sheep gate, they consecrate it, and then notice this in verse two, and you see this repeated phrase over and over and over that Nehemiah shares with us. Next to him, this is the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zachar the son of Imri built, the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. Verse four, next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, he built. Verse five, and next to him, the Tekoites repaired, but notice their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Let me just stop and say this. You got some, some, uh, some nobles, some leaders who are like, we ain't doing it. Uh, it's likely theologians believe that uh, some of those Tekoite leaders had a connection to some of the, the, those that would uh, uh, oppose uh, the, the advancement of the walls, uh, Tobiah the Horonite and Geshem. There was probably some sort of connection there. And they're like, hey, we're not doing it. You know what the people said? Forget you, right? I love it. Well, forget you, we're doing it because this is what God called us to do. And so the Tekoites were very involved in, 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 in many aspects of the project. But next to him, it says jo Joeda, uh, the son of Paseah in Meshulam, the son of, uh, yeah, that guy, uh, repaired the gate. Uh, and, and next to them repaired Melatai, the Gibeonite. Uh, verse eight, next to him, Uzziel, uh, and, and he's a goldsmith, and he repaired. And it says next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, he repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And then next to him, next to him, next to him, Verse number 12, next to him, Shalem, the son of Halahesh, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem. He repaired and he grabbed his daughters and he says, girls, let's go. Let's go. In Nehemiah, over and over and over, he says, next to him and next to him and next to them, these people and this group and these individuals, they gathered around. And what is he telling us? All of these people, they had a willingness. They had a willingness to put their hand to the work. And guess what? You might be here and you might be like, well, I don't have anything to offer and I'm not a builder and I'm not this and I'm not that. Well, guess what? There were goldsmiths. It wasn't their profession to build walls. <laughs> there were perfumers. <laughs> <laughs> I will never live that down. <laughs> Sometimes the things that come into your head are better left there, <laughs> right? But think about it. like walk off stage like, <laughs> mic drop perfumers are like, I, like this, is, this is what I do 
but I'm willing to work. And there were politicians, and there were men, and yes, ladies, there were women working on the wall hand in hand, because why? They had courage. They recognized the shared vision. We have to do this. And they had leaders that were spurring them on, saying, let's go, let's go, let's do this. They had a divine purpose. Like, we understand the purpose. It's divine, and we are willing. You may not be able to do everything, but you can do something. You can do something. Everyone can do something because everyone is better than someone. What can we accomplish here in East Helena, Montana in 2023 for the cause of Christ? We will accomplish so much more if we all put our hands in the middle and say, let's do this. Let's stop talking about it and let's do it. Let's move. And so I I want you to think about a few questions personally, right? A few, few questions personally. Do I have the courage to do hard things for the Lord? Listen, apply that to your life personally. Do you have courage? If you don't, God, give me courage to deal with this thing in my life. God, give me courage to deal with this sin. God, give me courage to move from where I am to where I know you want me to be. Give me courage, God, to move today. Do you have courage? Secondly, have you bought into the vision? Have you? Have you bought into the vision? You see, church isn't this thing where like everybody shows up, everybody just makes it what they want to make it, and everybody goes off and does their own thing. That, that's, not, that's not church. Churches are meant to be unified, right? And they follow their leaders who say, this is the direction, let's go. You're either going to buy into that or you're not. And if you're not, let me tell you, like, that's okay. I'm not offended by that. But we'll accomplish so much more if we collectively say, this is the vision, and I'm in, I'm in. Right? Have you bought into the vision? And then lastly, are you, willing, are you willing to work towards achieving the goal? Are you willing? Right? We started this series with this challenge, and I'm going to continue throughout this series to bring this back up. The challenge is simply this. For every single one of us to say, God, what would you have me to do? Right? Not, not just like, what do you want me to do with my life? Like, that's a great question to ask, but what we're asking you is in light of our need. Their need was the wall. Our need is like, God, we need to expand. We need to reach further. Because we, we don't want, it's not about buildings. It's about people. And we want to build people. And we want to reach a community. God, what can I do? Because let me tell you, if you ask God, what can I do? He will tell you, number one, But number two, if we were all just obedient to whatever it is God is calling us to do, we will accomplish the goal. We will see the wall built. We will see the community reach for Jesus Christ if we are willing to do our part. What is God calling you to do specifically? If you don't know, hey, ask. That's it, just ask. God, what do you want me to do? I'm gonna invite our worship team back up. Would you stand as we get ready to close this morning? Again, we started with that idea, God, what do you want me to do? Uh, You know, God knows exactly what we need to expand our reach and move forward. We're not going to be a church that sits still. We're not going to be a church that just says, hey, this is enough. We're good. I don't know about you, but I don't want to talk about those things. I want to do it. I want to move. And I'm going to inspire you the best that I possibly can, that we collectively would say, "Let's, let's move. Let's get up. Let's have a shared courage. Let's get behind a shared vision. Let's get, get behind dedicated leaders. Let, let's recognize we have a divine purpose. And let's just say, man, I'm willing. I'm willing to do my part. Are you willing to do your part today? God, this morning, we're so thankful 
for the church. God, it's yours, not ours. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. Thank you for the mission that you have left the church. It's the greatest mission that we have while we suck air, God. We desire to fulfill the mission that you give us. God, may we be about that. May we recognize how important it is. And may we be willing, however big, however small, to do our part. God, give us willing hearts and give us a mind to work. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you worship one last time with us?